Hi, and welcome to My Words, Our Journey, the podcast, The Souls of Willow. I hope everyone had a blessed holiday season and happiest of New Year's to everyone listening. As a refresher, Willow's lost her world, her home, her family, her friends, all but Thunder and Storm, her two Doberman Pinscher companions. The souls of the lost have taken refuge in her body, and they want revenge. Chapter 8 Her passengers, that's what she called the many souls that had decided without her consent to live within her. They were not silent passengers by any means. No, Willow found out that the language she had spoken had been Latin. When she was begging the villagers to run, the Latin soul within her changed the language so that they couldn't understand. Same for when she protected them from the trees. Regarding the trees, that she was certain the passengers wanted to land on the group. She could not understand how or why they would risk the life of the child. There would be other opportunities to take their wrath out on the adult males. That is how she had explained her decision to save them. It had not gone over well. For three days, Willow was ill, unable to move. Thunder and Storm had stayed by her side, not eating or drinking during this time. On the fourth day, she awoke feeling oddly refreshed, but in need of nourishment. Her companions felt the same way. The voices in her head were still. Everyone seemed to be giving each other space they needed. It was well after lunch when she fell asleep with the dogs on either side. They never wandered far, but now they were staying especially close. Dreaming had once been something the young girl enjoyed. The adventures, the happiness. Her dreams were full of hope and wonder. Those days and dreams were replaced with dark thoughts in her head that led to darker nightmares. This afternoon was a foreshadowing of what she was to expect. She woke to sweat and labored breathing. She was in no way fearful for herself, thunder or storm. She was ready to go, ready to take her soul and the others to their next destination. But she was beginning to sense that would not be the possible until the souls were satisfied. That night, the town was celebrating. The following day, they would be harvesting, and the gods that had provided them a wonderful farming season, one that would ensure they would survive the brutal winter. That was not always the case. Food could be scarce. Lives had been lost. The fields had given an abundance, and the livestock were fat and healthy. It was a time to celebrate and to give thanks. The bar on the other side of town was overflowing. Joyful songs could be heard coming from within the walls. It was meant to be a night of drinking, having fun, letting loose, knowing tomorrow they would fill their storage units to capacity. Travis Murray, one of the youngest Murrays, had stepped outside to take in a bit of fresh air. He was not used to all the drinking, like his brothers were. It was then that he noticed the silhouette of a young woman standing at the edge of the field to his left. She appeared to be looking in his direction, but showed no sign that she actually saw him. After an odd and almost eerie moment, he decided to go back inside and grab his siblings. He was afraid she'd be gone, but there she remained, as if she had not moved a muscle. Now the four stood, studying the figure that appeared to be swaying with the breeze. Turning, taking small steps back to the corn. Willow could sense the boys were deciding if they were going to pursue her. The night was dark. The moon hid behind the only three clouds in the sky that night. The Murray brothers were always up for fun, but they were also cautious. They had made plenty of enemies. To push them over the edge, a lovely voice spoke the words, Is there a man amongst you? 
That was all it took for the four brothers to begin to run towards the mysterious figure. Chapter 9 The corn was tall, the darkness became more pronounced, and the singing from the bar now seemed to be coming from every direction, causing the boys to lose their sense of direction completely. The sweet voice that had lured them into the fields had gone, replaced by the sound of a hundred angry, violent sounds. Souls, actually. They struggled to understand what was being said, but also knew they needed to get out of the harm's way. As they tried to determine which way to run, they picked up a few of the words that had been spoken. They had heard the word none. Convent, they thought. And then, fire. When they heard the word fire, it seemed as if the fields lit up. They watched in horror as the fire and smoke spread. Acres of hard work, sweat, and security for the winter ahead was going up in flames. The voices directed them the way they should go, still angry, but they had no choice but to follow. They were truly lost. Coming out of the field, it seemed as if the entire town was waiting for them. Four wild brothers, always getting into trouble, coming out of the burning fields, holding lit torches. Whatever drunk state they had been in before, it was gone, for the most part. But, to a man, none could explain where the torches had come from. In the fields it had been dark. They clearly had not had flame. And coming out, they had followed the voice, which had brought them out directly in front of the judging townsfolk. While several of the men secured the brothers, others began to form lines to combat the flames. They needed to save whatever they could. They had no way of knowing that their efforts would bear no fruit. It had been dry as of late, and the flames, well, they consumed acre after acre without prudence. The brothers tried talking. They did their best to explain what had happened, but as they spoke the words, it was easy to see why no one believed them. They found it hard themselves. They were taken to be held until... That was the only answer they received. Safe in a cell within the courthouse, the brothers had no idea what was happening to their family. They had been so worried about themselves it never occurred to them that anyone they loved would be in danger. As far as the town was concerned, they had destined the town to possible starvation. Zachary Murray was 12 years old. His identical twin, Thomas, one minute, 28 seconds younger than he. They were typical boys of his age, liking to play with their friends, trying to avoid work and school whenever they could, and looked up to his brothers as if they could do nothing wrong. From the front of his small, modest cottage, the pair could hear the banging. It had been going on for a few seconds. His brothers coming home drunk, each thought. It was far from their first time. As if sitting atop the center of an earthquake, the home shook as if it was knocked off its humble but sturdy foundation. Zachary knew this was not his brother's doing and told Thomas as much. Standing at the door, the cries from the mother and little sister could be heard. It sounded like his dad was arguing with someone. Then mothers screamed their father's name. Instinct took over and Zachary was by his father's side on the dirt floor before he realized it. The chaos around him stood still for only the briefest of moments. Then he could see the blood on his father's forehead, the fear in his eyes, and the yelling. When he stood, he was shocked to see that these were men he knew, some from church, others from around the schoolhouse, all familiar in some way. They were yelling about his brothers, about lost crops and irresponsibility. None of it made any sense. Why was his dad on the floor? When the apparent leader kicked his father and then went to grab his mother's arm, Zachary saw Thomas step between them. 
the next few seconds would be debated, but the end result was what it was, and no debate was necessary. The backhand that went across her son's face caused him to first at the corner of the wood table with such force a piece splintered and stuck in the young boy's right temple. By the time he collapsed onto his mother's lap, he had taken his last breath. The rage on both sides? It was thick. When mother stared into the dead eyes of her son, it was as if an evil spirit took over her body, and with strength she had never conjured up, she leapt to her feet and jumped onto the man that had just hit her son. With nails and teeth, she dug in. No thoughts of her safety. When she was finally pulled from him, he had lost both eyes, had a deep gash across his face, and a swelling bite mark on his neck that looked like she had removed flesh. She was dragged away while her husband buried his head to try to avoid the incoming kicks. The heavy boots were not deterred, and he lost consciousness, never to awake. Zachary, stunned by the events of the last minute, tried to run but was grabbed and tossed outside where more men waited. His sisters crying for help, getting further and further away. Chapter 10 The brothers could not believe what they were hearing through the outside window covered with bars. One of their loyal drinking companions was giving them updates. Father and brother dead, mother missing. It was too much to comprehend. That is when one of the jailers hollered. They had company. In the door, where the two cells were located, came the small figure. She was clearly a nun, which instantly startled the men, since they thought the nuns were all wiped out. When she stood directly in front of the cell, Willow raised her eyes to their level. With a pleasant smile and an innocence that should have gone along with her and her age, Willow spoke with the voices of the soul sisters. The passengers had something to say to these men. From death, we have now made our way to your step. The cruelness of your actions will be placed upon your heads. From this moment forward, until the Lord chooses to end your life, you will have no privy from the pain, the realization that you caused this. This will be your last night of sanity. Tomorrow you will watch through lost eyes. You will be aware of everything, but able to do nothing, just as those that were burned alive while you joked. Your jokes and your laughter were the last sounds many of us heard. Enjoy the fruits of your actions. Turning to leave, the nun stopped and made one more statement in her own voice, and now her eyes were the opposite of innocent. I am now going to save your mother, so I can tell her of your deeds, how you caused the death of her husband and youngest child. Ten minutes later, Willow stood near the town square. The fires continued to rage, as nothing would be left when they finally died out. That would include the livestock, of which most would die at the hand of the smoke, while others had been spared and released to run away. For now, this place was cursed, and they ran as fast as they could. She watched as the men tried to decide how to humiliate the mother, a mother that had done nothing but love her family, work from sunup to sundown to make sure they had what they needed, often going without to make sure they had. Now her repayment was a spectacle. Please tell me where my youngest son and daughter have been taken. Are they safe? No concern for her safety. The group laughed in unison, but before they could come up with some deprived way to attack this poor woman further, Willow spoke. Her voice carried above the chaos 
and land out on its intended targets. You will leave this woman with me and go on your way. The men stopped, turned, and began to laugh uncontrollably. Girl, we don't have a beef with you. Just get. The one with the pitchfork spoke. Another shouted, You and what army, little girl? Their names are Thunder and Storm. And you will not live long enough to share this with anyone. From the shadows, the two emerged. They wasted no time engaging the men. It was not a fair fight. As soon as the women were free from their capture, Willow took her to safety. She had no plan to tell this poor woman her children had been the catalyst for this whole ordeal. Instead, she and her companions escorted the frightened woman to the edge of the woods where they would be entering. Run whichever way you desire. Each will be better than going back, I promise you. And then they were gone. And let's stop there for today. That's enough action for our first episode in 2024. As always, thank you for listening and Happy New Year. My name is Monty. I'm your host and author. Thank you for listening.